Brady. I appreciate that. So, well, good morning, everybody. I'm slightly terrified, but it's all good. Um, so I, I thought back to uh, a few weeks ago uh, when I feel like Tim, every couple of weeks, will plug the media team as like the team of introverts. Well, I'm the leader of that team of introverts, so I'm the introvert of introverts, so talking out loud is, uh, is fun. It'll be good. Uh, thankfully, I've got lots of scripture and stuff, so it will hopefully keep me on the rails, but uh, if it's awkward... Um, that's, that's just me. It's good. Yep. So um, we're going to start today. Uh, basically, today we're going to be talking about the secret place and abiding in the Lord's presence. Um, and so I've got for you Psalm 91. So we're going to read that together. So I'm just going to keep with Tim's tradition. So if you would stand with me and let's read the word of the Lord together. So Psalm 91 reads this way. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your protection and armor. Backwards there. Don't be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrows that fly in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though 10,000 are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras, you will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. Let's pray really quick. Lord, help. Amen. You guys can have a seat. That's... That was, that was literally all that I could think of for today. It was just help. All right. Um, so, so this psalm, all the psalms, I shouldn't say all, but I believe the psalms that we've been talking about in this series have been psalms of David. And this psalm, actually, we don't know who the author is. It's not listed in the scripture. It's suspected that this is Moses that's writing this. So we're rewinding a little bit farther back or a lot a bit farther back in time. Um, so this is Moses writing this. Um, and why this psalm? So when I was thinking about what to talk about as I was fretting over what on earth am I going to say to people and talk about in front of people, um, I was trying to, I tried to force it and I was like, oh, like Psalm 23, everybody knows that, it's whatever. And, um, and just nothing came out of that, it just kind of kept hitting a wall. Um, and the Lord was like, well, what's a Psalm that is meaningful to you? And so I had to sit on that. And Psalm 91 was the first one that came to mind. Um, and it's probably been one of the most impactful Psalms on my life. Um, so I'll share this really quick backstory on this. Um, about five or six years ago, we bought our very first house. Um, and it was a new experience. It was a new home. It had new sounds and new stuff. It didn't have blinds when we first bought it. So they're just, it was really strange. Um, very different from anything that I'd experienced before. And so I found, and I never knew this before, but I was like terrified that somebody was breaking into my house. 
every time I heard like a creak in the ceiling or I heard like a like the pitter patter on the on the window or something pitter patter that's a good word um but every time I, I heard some noise, I was just terrified. I would literally lock the door to our bedroom at night so that I could fall asleep. So it was like the windows are locked, the doors are locked, and my bed, like it was, it was extra. Um, and I would, I would wake up in the middle of the night, I would have night terrors, I was like paralyzed with fear. Um, and somehow Teresa heard about this. It was probably my wife that told her because I needed to... I needed to figure this out, right? And so Teresa reached out and was like, hey, I've heard you're, you've been having some, uh, you know, some, some anxiety with this, and I want to encourage you to read Psalm 91. And so I started doing that. Um, and then over, it wasn't immediate, but over the course of time, my anxiety subsided. Um, in particular, verse 5, do not be afraid of the terrors of the night. Just, I mean, that's the, the direct pinpoint of what I was struggling with. Um, and so I just had to read that every night and just every day believe it a little bit more, believe it a little bit more, believe a little bit more. And so that's why I picked this psalm uh, to read to you. Um, and so we're just going to talk about a few things that stick out with this. Um, mainly it's verse one. I had never read this um, prior to starting uh, to prepare for this sermon today. I had never read this um, and caught a lot of the things that I'm going to share today. So the first thing I'm going to talk about is verse one. This is kind of the, the keystone. Everything that follows all comes out of verse one. Um, so again, verse one was, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And so um, I'm, I'm actually going to take this from the end of that verse and just kind of wheel it back. So um, the first thing I'm going to talk about here is the shadow. To be in the shadow of something, you're like incredibly awkwardly close. Like if there's a light over there, I am in the shadow of my wife because we're, we're that close together. So to be in the shadow of something means that you are, you're not social distancing. You are right up, you're, you're in the business. It's maybe a little bit uncomfortable um, in our personal bubble. So next it says we find rest in the shadow. Um, so in finding rest, we're just letting our guard down. We're being ourselves. We're having complete and total trust in him. We're able to, to let go and let God. Um, the shelter of the Most High, I'm going to spend a little bit of time here. So the King James Version, I, I like the, what the King James says here. It actually calls this the secret place of the Most High. And uh, so the secret place is something that I've just heard a lot about um, throughout my, my faith journey, um, time at Southeastern and other places. Um, and so the secret place in the Old Testament um, is actually a reference and a callback to um, the temple. And so in the temple in uh, the, the Old Testament days, you had the outer courts, and then you had the inner courts, and then you had the holy place, and then you had the holy of holies. And the holy of holies was where the Ark of the Covenant was. It was where the presence of the Lord dwelt. Um, and it was separated from the holy place by a really thick veil. I like to, I think of it like a really thick rug that was just, I'm sure that that's not factual, so please don't, don't quote me on that. That's just what I picture in my head when I think about it. Um, and so that, that secret place, um, the only person that could enter that place was the high priest, like the top dog. He could only do it once a year on Yom Kippur, which is the, um, the day of atonement. Um, and what's, what's really interesting to me about this, I remember learning about this and thinking, this is bizarre. They would actually tie a rope around the high priest and a bell 
And when they would send him in, if he went in and he had sin in his life that he hadn't disclosed or he hadn't um, offered sacrifices for before, he would literally be struck dead. And so they would wait out in the holy place and wait to hear, you know, did the bell stop jingling? Give, I just imagine, like, give a tug. Oh, there's, okay, pull him out. Like, it's pretty serious stuff um, in the secret place, but it's the presence of the Lord. Um, and I love the, I, I didn't even think about it, but I feel like every song that we sang this morning was about the presence of God and wanting to be in his presence. Um, and even though that's like a, that's a really weird thing that the guy died if he was in sin, I shouldn't say weird, but um, it's a safe place, you know? Um, when Jesus died, the veil was torn. And it's literally that thick, think about that thick rug, literally being torn in the presence of the Lord being everywhere and accessible to you at all times. Um, that secret place is there for you now. Um, so I think that, so when I think about this thing with the high priest and he had to, you know, he would go in and he would have to make sure that he was purified, that he had offered sacrifices for his sins before he entered. Um, that takes intentionality. And I think that that's something that we have to remember when we're entering the secret place. It's different than, um, it's not like, hey, what's up? I'm here. You know, I'm waiting outside or whatever. But it's, it's being really intentional about getting into his presence. I'm going to flip my page. I'm awkward with transitions. It's good. If you were here on Wednesday, you know that. Um, <laughs> Uh, so there's a couple other references to the secret place, actually, in Scripture. I'm just going to read two of those really quick. So the first one is Psalm 27, verse 5. It says, For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle he shall hide me. And then in Psalm 31:20, it says, You shall hide them in the secret place of your presence from the plots of man. And so thinking about that, the secret place is like a hiding place, in a sense. It's a place where you can find refuge and find peace, um, and be hidden away from the troubles that are happening in this world and in your life. Um, and so the last part of this verse one um, was living in the secret place. So I like, uh, the other thing I like about the King James Version is it says, he that dwelleth. It's, I think it's a little more, uh, I don't know what the word is, more personal or more um, impactful. But the Hebrew word, which I'm not going to try to say because I don't know Hebrew, at all, and uh, some of my friends who know it would, would probably throw something at me. Um, uh, but the Hebrew word literally means, and Brian, you can throw this up, um, the Hebrew word means dwelling in quietude and resting, enduring and remaining with constancy. I'm going to just read that again. Dwelling in quietude and resting, enduring and remaining with constancy. So the secret place isn't somewhere that we just kind of stop by you know, it's not where we get a, get a quick fill up. It's not our proverbial vending machine. It's where we live. It's where we sleep. It's where we find rest, where we find comfort, where we're cleansed, where we dine. It's all of these things. Um, and it's just so different from the way that the world approaches things. You know, in the, in, in the world nowadays, and I would assume for a while now, it's been all about, you know, how many tasks can I get done? And can I shorten the amount of time that I do this so I can fit these three other things in? Um, but when you make time for the secret place, what's funny is that, maybe it's not funny, but it's like a forced exercise in faith. Because when you are choosing to spend time there with the Lord and you're choosing to carve an hour or 30 minutes out of your day, now you don't have that 30 minutes to an hour or five minutes to do something else that you want it to do. So now you've got to rely on him more. 
So it's this weird, like, not weird, I keep saying weird. That's just my, I guess that's my go-to word. Um, but it's just this, this cycle. You trust and you put in the time and it literally forces you to trust and God shows up. And so I'm gonna stop talking really quick and my wife is gonna share a testimony. Sweet Jesus, okay. <laughs> oh, okay, hi. <laughs> um, okay, so... I might stare at the paper a lot. I'm going to apologize in advance. I can sing all day, but not speak to people. So, <laughs> um, but along the lines of what Richard's saying, in order to enter the secret place, you have to be intentional. Um, if we leave it up to happenstance, then there's not going to be consistency. You might find yourself hungry for more or drained due to not dwelling there. Um, so I found in my own life, <laughs> um, it was something that I struggled with I've basically been a Christian my entire life. And I still, at like 30 years old last year, was like, I'm still not reading my word every day. That's probably not good. <laughs> like, I'm leading people in worship. What, like, why has this been such a difficult thing? But I know that I'm not alone in that. I mean, I speak with, you know, so many friends and family that are like, yeah. And it's always this guilt thing. And I think a lot of us struggle with an all or nothing mindset. At least for me, it's like, okay, it needs to be like early in the morning. I need like two hours of a block of time. And I need to have my coffee and my quiet Jesus music. Like, set the scene for it to be perfect. And um, the Lord has taught me about grace a lot this past year, having grace for myself and for others, um, and just realizing that in different seasons of your life, um, that may not happen. Um, it doesn't mean that that's not something to strive for, um, which I'll get to in a second, but you know, I think of new parents with a newborn baby. You're probably not going to get up at 5.30 in the morning and spend an hour <laughs> in silence. Um, or, you know, if you're moving or some crazy thing is happening in your life, that's probably not going to be the place. But um, I have found in my own life, yes, the Lord gives us grace. And it's not like I'm not talking to him throughout the whole entire day. Before me, personally, I need quiet time, alone time with the Lord. Um Man, I had it in my old notes, and then I deleted it because I was rethinking everything. But um, I think it's something that Tim has said to us many times. You can't get to know someone better if you're never alone with them. Think about when you're dating. If you are only ever surrounded by other people, they may be very different when you finally get alone with that person. And so if you want that relationship to grow and grow deeper, you have to get alone with them. Um, and so for me, and this is all like glory to God. I'm not trying to be like, look at what I did. I figured out my whole life because that is not the case. But thank truly, like, thanks be to God. Um, I just had a lot of breakthrough this year. And these are things that I've truly been like fasting about. It might sound silly, but I remember I was reading over my, I made a list of things that I was fasting about at the beginning of 2020. And one of them was just, not one of them, it was breakthrough in so many different areas of my life. And I was like, Lord, like I'm all in, I need to reprioritize, but easier said than done. Right. <laughs> um, but it got to a point where I was like, you know what? Now, this is where the like not so spiritual, more practical advice is going to come in. I brain dumped every one of my responsibilities onto a piece of paper and was like, okay, literally down to cleaning the house, grocery shopping, taking care of my little one. What is her schoolwork like for today? What type of play activity am I going to do? And put my life onto paper. I was like, okay, Lord, this is everything that you have entrusted to me. I need to steward it well, and I want to steward it well. And what needs to get cut out? Because I need to be putting you first in everything. Um, 
And so I legit went hour by hour, like, okay, I was getting up at 7 a.m. So I started at 7, and then I went through my whole day, and I was like, that's not enough time. If I want to spend time with the Lord, it's now going to be at 5.30 a.m. And that's a very early, people. <laughs> that's very early. But I was like, you know what? His grace is sufficient for me. I know that this is going to be worth it. And I never in a million years thought that I would be a person to be like, to actually enjoy waking up, but having quiet alone time with the Lord. Like the, I can't put into words how refreshing it is and how much I am poured into so when I'm alone with the Lord. Like sometimes it's worship music. Sometimes it's me sitting and like crying for 40 minutes, you know, like sometimes the Lord is just speaking to me the whole time. But I have seen such a dramatic change in my life, literally over the past like year, maybe 18 months, um, breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough, things that I've been praying about for 31 years <laughs> um, that are finally coming to pass because we're choosing intentionally to abide in the secret place and to find where that dwelling place is. And it's going to look different for everyone. Like I said before in seasons, it might not be waking up at 530. I, please, I am not trying to guilt trip you. That is not my intention here. But Rich is going to get into this a little bit later, talking about a couple different ways. Um, it might, how you can find the secret place is what I'm trying to say. Um, but I just wanted to share... I'm a living testimony, a living testament that it's possible. So if you are in that season of feeling like I am burnt out, there is no way you are going to find me waking up at 530. That was your homegirl, okay? That was me for many, many years. But the fact that I can get up and enjoy time with the Lord and then the rest of my day is filled with so much peace and there's more intentionality when you're not just running on empty, um, it's a really beautiful thing. So he's going to talk. Um, I love that, and I've seen that, and I've been amazed by that. Well, I've been amazed by that because she was—I never thought she would be one to wake up at 5:30 in the morning. I've always—I've always been the morning person of the two of us, and uh, it has—it has changed completely, which is cool. Um, so the the next thing we're going to talk about really quick is. Um, not letting an excuse get in the way, one potential one. Um, and that is that if you have things that are in your life that you feel like are in the way, like I've got this sin that I need to take care of first, or, um, you know, I've got to, I've got to clean these couple of things up before I feel like I can come to God. Um, and so I have a scripture and I'm just going to paraphrase it for the sake of time. Uh, but it's in Luke chapter seven and it's where Jesus is anointed by a sinful woman, um, is literally what it's called. And so basically what happens here is Jesus is invited to dinner at a Pharisee's house, which is a religious leader. And, um, this woman hears that he's going to be there, and so she decides that she's going to show up, and she has a, a jar of perfume with her, expensive perfume. And um, so while they are all there eating, this woman stands behind Jesus and just weeps at his feet, and her tears wet his feet, and then she wipes the tears away with her hair. And if you, if, if you don't have this mental picture in your image, they wore, like, sandals. They didn't have, like, socks and shoes, and they were walking in, like, the dirt and the sand, so it's like... He probably had pretty gross feet. Um, and, and so this woman, she, she washed his feet with her hair and her tears, and then she poured perfume on it, um, on them. 
And so Jesus essentially, he goes back and forth with the Pharisee a little bit about, you know, I came into your house and you didn't offer to wash my feet, but this woman has done these things for me. Um, because she has done this, her, her many sins are forgiven. Um, and he tells her to go, your faith has made you well. Um, and so I just want to encourage you really quick to not let your circumstance get in the way. Don't feel like you're disqualified from getting into his presence and seeking him out just because you may have some junk going on. You may have some skeletons in the closet. Um, but, but come to him first uh, in that story. Her act of worship came before her cleansing. Um, so I just wanted to encourage you of that. Um, he will renew you and he is faithful. I'm handing the microphone back. That's not long enough. Um, <laughs> So like Rich said, obedience comes before cleansing. Um, something that I don't think we talk about enough as the church is repentance and the importance of it, because um, we don't like to step on people's toes and make them feel uncomfortable. Um, but yeah, the Lord gives us grace. Um, he forgives us, but that doesn't mean that we don't take responsibility for our wrongdoing and pretend that it isn't happening. Um, so, testimony time again. Uh, last year, I shared the, a little bit of this in deeper. So, if I repeat myself, sorry, not sorry. Um, I went through somewhat of a faith crisis. Uh, just was rethinking everything. Was like, do I really actually believe all these songs that I sing on Sunday mornings? And you know, we talk about the faithfulness of God and the goodness of God. Like, have I actually seen that be true in my own life? Sure, like Tim's seen miracles. That's great for him. What about me? <laughs> um, and it it was not a fun time. Um, and it's funny, we were going through this last night and I didn't know that um, Teresa was the one who shared that psalm with him. Well, Teresa is the one who shared this with me, which is just, she's the best, <laughs> literally. I mean, she actually is. Um, and so I went to Trey and told her everything that was going on. Um, and just, she had actually preached a sermon around the time when I was going through all of this. And it was for me. Like, if no one else got anything, I was like, thank you, Teresa. This is what I'm going through right now. Um, and so, okay. So I had to... And this is through um, what Teresa was speaking on that Sunday morning and through my conversations with her, um, which also I just need to point out, this is what is so beautiful about the body of Christ and why it is so important to be plugged in. Because had I not been, Lord only knows where I would be. You know, I mean, how many people are we seeing walk away from the Lord after 20, 30, 40 years because they are not surrounded by other people who are uplifting and are speaking life into them and reminding them of the truth of his word. Anyways, okay, so I realized I got to a point where I had to repent for my unbelief, believe the word of God, and wait for the Holy Spirit. Um, Trey preached a whole sermon on this um, on Acts 2, the day of Pentecost, um, it said to repent and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And a lot of what I was sharing with Teresa was I, I was missing the Holy Spirit in my life. It was like, this all looks great. And I can read the Psalms and, you know, read about how it says, but he's still faithful and he, he covers me with his wings. And that sounds great. But if there is no evident move of the Holy Spirit in my life, I'm, I'm lacking. Like, I feel like you can only have faith for so long. Like, you need 
to know him intimately. And that is where the Holy Spirit comes in. Um, so with my repenting came a lot of lamenting um, without realizing it at the time that that's what it was. Um, in our mentorship group this past year, we read a book called A Praying Life by Paul Miller. Um, if you haven't read it, it's super good and you should. Um, but there's a chapter on lamenting and I'm just going to read a couple things to you guys. It says, laments might seem disrespectful, but in fact, they are filled with a raw, pure form of faith that simply takes God at his word. Um, I don't know about you, when I think of lamenting, it, the first word that comes to mind is complaining. Well, I'm just like sitting there saying, but woe is me, God, this is what's going on. And you might feel like you shouldn't do that, or he knows everything already, so why even say it in the first place? Um, but here it says, if you don't lament over the broken things in your world, then your heart shuts down. Your living, vital relationship with God dies a slow death because you open the door to unseen doubt and become quietly cynical. Cynicism moves you away from God. Laments push you into his presence. So oddly enough, not lamenting leads to unbelief. Reality wins and hope dies. Um, two more things. Lamenting shows that you are engaged with God in a vibrant living faith. Um, again, I just am thinking literally back to me, like sitting in my closet lamenting <laughs> and I'm like, at the time I didn't realize that that's what it was. And I, I saw it as a negative thing. Like, it's just me complaining and whining about things not being the way that I want it to be. But after having my eyes open, like the Lord wants you there. He wants you coming to him and saying, I can't do this Lord. Like I'm giving up. I'm done. I, I've got nothing left. Um, it says, most laments are not prayers of surrender, grieving what cannot be changed, but a call to arms. I'm going to try not to cry. They are the spiritual warfare equivalent of going nuclear. You have no other option, so you reach for your most powerful weapon, your ability to cry out to the living God for help. Woo, baby. Um, sorry. <laughs> Hold on a second. Um, yeah. Um, at times we may feel as if God doesn't want to hear our complaining or it feels silly to talk to God about things because he already knows what's going on. But the Lord has taught me, thank you, Jesus, that lamenting actually pushes you further into the presence of God. It's you realizing that he is your only source of strength and where breakthrough can actually stem from. And it reminds you of God's power. Um, I'm going to read a psalm just a couple verses of it. Um, Psalm 77, one through 11. It says, I cry out to God. Yes, I shout. Oh, that God would listen to me. When I was in deep trouble, I searched for the Lord. All night long, I prayed with hands lifted toward heaven, but my soul was not comforted. I think of God and I moan, overwhelmed with longing for his help. You don't let me sleep. I am too distressed to even pray. I think of the good old days, long since ended when my nights were filled with joyful songs. I search my soul and ponder the difference now. I'm going to pause there. So joyful, right? <laughs> You read this, I literally wrote in my Bible, I'm a note-taking Bible, I said, real talk, we are not alone and we're not the only people who feel like this at times. I needed that in the word of God. I needed to read, okay, wait, I'm not the first person who feels like, hello, I, I'm giving up, I can't do this anymore. Like, did you actually leave me? Um, 
Keep it. So verse seven says, has the Lord rejected me forever? Will he never again be kind to me? Is his unfailing love gone forever? Have his promises permanently failed? Has he forgotten to be gracious? Has he slammed the door on his compassion? And I said, this is my fate. The most high has turned his hand against me. And verse 11 says, but then I recall all you have done. Oh Lord. Gosh, I always cry every single time. Okay. So, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, we repent. We believe the word of God. We believe in faith that he is faithful. We pray the scriptures over our life and we remind our souls of all that he has done. I'm going to jump back to Psalm 18 really quickly. Um, and I just have three different verses here. It says, but in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I prayed to my God for help. He heard me from his sanctuary. My cry to him reached his ears. He reached down from heaven and he rescued me. He drew me out of deep waters. He led me to a place of safety. He rescued me because he delights in me. That is my favorite one. He led me to a place of safety. He rescued me because he delights in me. The Lord delights in you coming and resting in his presence and being near to him. Um, yeah, I needed that Psalm 77 to feel like I wasn't alone, but I also needed to pray, to read these scriptures and pray them over my life. Okay, it says he rescued me. I need to pray that over my life. Lord, you're going to rescue me. When I was in distress, you're going to come after me. Um, and so, give me one second. <laughs> I'm just going to read because my brain is all over the place. Bear with me. Um, so we repent. We lament at times. We remind our souls of the truth of God's word. We believe what he says will come to pass. And then we wait for the Holy Spirit. We believe that there will be breakthrough. And all the while we praise. We worship even when it's hard and we feel defeated. We bring the Lord the best that we have. Um, we sing so many songs, praise before my breakthrough, nothing can take away my hallelujah. And it is just so true. Like there is so much power. I feel like I've said this so many times before in leading worship, but so much power when we are choosing to worship when it doesn't make sense. It's easy to worship when everything's going fine. But when you are choosing to say, God, you are faithful when you don't feel like he's faithful. And when you're choosing to say there will be breakthrough, strongholds are going to be released. Um, the Lord honors that. So I'm going to wrap it up, I promise. If obedience comes before cleansing, I encourage you to be obedient with going to the Lord, lamenting if you need to, and praying the scriptures over your life in faith. There's so much healing that happens to your heart when you repeatedly return to the secret place to meet with your father, even when you don't feel him there. Love it. That's great. Okay, so um, I am, I'm going to go super practical now. Um, so we've talked about what is the secret place. We've talked about... Um, the benefits of being there, of finding rest in his presence. Um, we've talked about lamenting and repenting. Um, we've talked about coming as you are. Um, and so now I'm going to be really practical and just give you some, some tips on how to get there. Um, what I want to encourage you is that the way that you get there doesn't have to look the same as the person next to you. So the way that I engage the secret place is different than the way that my wife 
engages it is different than the way that Tim engages it is different than the way that Rachel engages. You don't, so you don't have to feel like burdened or le- like less than just because the way that you encounter the Lord's presence is different than somebody else. So don't feel, don't feel less. Um, so I'm going to give you some really practical ways to do that, and I'm going to speed through it. Um, so if you, if you want, this is, uh, this is called The Sacred Pathways. This is a book. Um, and so if you want, you can do a quick Google search on this, and it will give you a lot more information than what I'm telling you right now. Um, this is kind of like a, like a Christian Enneagram for getting into his presence. So it's, uh, uh, well, I don't know. Don't say Enneagram. I won't say that in the next service. And I do the podcast, so I'll I'll edit this part out and cut. All right. So um, <laughs> moving on. Um, so basically, it's just talking about that we all have different personalities, and the Lord made you that way. He made you unique. And so there's different um, ways that you're going to engage. Um, so I'm going to fly through these. The first one um, is naturalists. These are people that love God by being outdoors. And uh, really, I mean, that's, I think that that's pretty straightforward. Go on a prayer walk if that's you you know, or unplug, just be outside and be mindful while you're outside. Don't just, you know, I'm just going to go for a run and get my stress out, you know, but be mindful. Um, the second one is sensates. These are people that um, love God with their senses. I have to pause really quick. Don't put yourself into a box with these. Yeah. This is not, this is not your identity. I'm not telling you, you are one of these things. Like I identify with half of these or more. Um, so please don't feel like I'm giving you a box and saying you live in this box now. Um, sensates. So I, I, uh, praying in color, that was a really cool one for them. Um, literally use doodles, bring a sketch pad and put into pictures what your words can't express. That, that might be you. It's not me, but that might be you. Feel free. Like that's a way that you can engage the Lord's presence and um, we'll start to get you there. The third one is traditionalists. Um, and I find myself um, falling into this. These are people that enjoy reading liturgical prayers and rites and rituals. Um, fasting is another one that goes with these people um, or these personalities. I shouldn't say people, they're personalities. Um, the fourth one is ascetics. These are people that um, love God in solitude and simplicity. So um, like monastic, really getting away from things, really being withdrawn in silence um, and just slowing down and being simple. Um, the fifth one is activists. These are people that love God through confrontation. Um, so some ideas there are um, justice, walking prayers or intercessory prayer. Um, take a walk through your neighborhood and see what the Lord says to you. Is he, is he speaking something to you about that house when you walk past it every day? Maybe that's a, a cue that you need to start praying for those people. Um, you know, that's, you're, again, you're just engaging the Lord's presence there. Um, number six is caregivers. These are people who love God by loving others. Um, so ideas there are service and hospitality and mentoring as well. Um, number seven, these are enthusiasts. These are people that love God with mystery and celebration. So these are your, um, a lot of your worshipers fall into this because they, they just love to get, they love to get, it's, it's cool. They love to get swept away in the wonder and the awe of the Lord. Um, I loved this. I, I read this really quick thing about worship. Um, I have to throw a tag in about worship. Um, worship is when we intentionally cherish God and value him above all else. Nothing to do with music. It's nothing to do with a stage, nothing to do with a song. It's when you are being intentional about cherishing the Lord. So all of these things that I'm talking about can be acts of worship. 
Um, I was, until my allergies started going crazy, I'm surprised I haven't had a coughing attack yet this morning, um, but I was going for runs a few times a week, and, um, and I hated it. Absolutely hated it. I'm not a fit person. I am a shape, and that is not in shape. And um, we'll, just, we'll just leave that one there. But, um, but like throughout that, I'm just thinking to myself, especially when it's getting hard, and I'm like, I don't want to do this next interval of a run. I'm thinking to myself, okay, Lord, I'm offering this to you. This is for you. I'm trying to, um, to be responsible for what you've given me. Like you've given me a body. I need to take care of it. So, Lord, this is for you, not for I mean, it is technically, I guess, also for me, but I'm reframing my focus and it's pulling me into his presence. Number eight is the contemplatives. These are people that love God through adoration. Um, they want nothing more than privacy um, and just to, uh, to gaze on the Lord's presence. Um, ideas here are breath prayers. And that's really, that's not getting super deep into like, I've got to spend 60 minutes at a time, but that's, Lord, go with me. Lord, be with me. Lord, be with me. As you're walking into the store, um, you know, Lord, would you, would you show me what you want me to do here? And just, it's just saying prayers under your breath, just repeatedly. Um, that's just an idea. Um, the last one is intellectuals, um, and people that are intellectuals love Bible study. They love memorizing scripture and witnessing to people. Um, so I'm hoping that, that something that I said maybe resonated with you. If you've, had, if you've been having a hard time or just feeling like, I don't know how to get into God's presence, maybe try one of these. Maybe look it up and, and see more than what I'm telling you this morning because there's a lot more to it. Um, but just see, you know, what how do I experience the Lord's presence and how do I, um, how do I know that he's there and how do I know that he loves me and that I'm communicating with him? Um, a really quick plug here is if you don't know where to start on Wednesday nights, we're doing this series this summer called Deeper and uh, where we're, we're trying to, we're pressing in and we're, um, we're creating an atmosphere where you can go deeper with the Lord. Um, on that first worship night, we had stations. We had a doodle station set up on the side where, you know, if that's you, if you're like, man, I can't put it into words, but I can draw it and I can see it and it's concrete and it's there. We got something for you, you know? Um, but that's, that's for you. Come out on Wednesday nights and, and see what it's all about. So um, as Rachel is, is behind me and Tim is preparing to come up, I just want to um, encourage you um, with a few statements um, as we close of how to get to the secret place. So knock and the door will be opened. Seek him and you will find him. Draw near to him and he will draw near to you. Those who come to him will be fed. Those who thirst for him will be satisfied. Those who listen for him will hear.